0: I drink lean, lean, lean. It's not embarrassing. It's the Going Off Podcast with Rap Critic and Muse. We are joined today by Open Mike Eagle. Open Mike, yo, tell tell the people
1: how you doing, man. Tell them what's up. Oh, what's up? Uh, currently, there are um, city workers apparently up in trees outside my window. Today, they've decided oh. it is the day for tree trimming.
0: <laughs>
1: happens to be the day that we have decided to do this podcast, so... Um, welcome to my world. This is called total immersion. Do you h- host your own podcast? I remember seeing that a, a while back. I used to have a – well, I I can't say I used to. It's on hiatus, and I'm bringing it back soon. A personal podcast, which is called Secret Skin, and that's an interview show. But I also do a wrestling podcast, in which ah. uh, I am one of the three hosts up, called Tyson oh, Fights. Right. Is that it right now? And I'm like, I'm like in talks to do a couple more. And I used to, I used to have an Adventure Time podcast called Conversation Parade. Huh.
2: I was, oh I was I was gonna actually ask you because I mean well geez I was butting heads on like the first thing to bring up but s- since you had said it I was gonna ask you um is your name Open Mike Eagle a play on Iron Mike Sharp? No, it is not. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, you know what's
1: really a trip about that is how often people accidentally call me Iron Mike Eagle. Really? <laughs> and it, like, like, it's so aggravating.
2: I wonder Your if it's reason... because Iron Iron Mike Sharp, or if they got that, that like, Nazi thing in the back of the head of, like, the Iron Eagle. I, I'd I like think... to think they're thinking WWE enhancement talent from the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s, and not Nazis, but you never can tell these days.
1: I, I think it actually is mostly to do with Mike Tyson, actually. Oh, yeah, it? that's right. Oh, I right, right. That's... That, the reason that it happens most but it's just baffling to me because i've never said that but that happens to me all the time
0: well on your latest album you have uh you have what's the name on the legendary iron uh iron hood and then that started messing with my head because i was like i was literally about to open up by saying yeah we got iron mike uh, or iron hood or fuck man what's your name
1: I didn't, you know what? That's funny. I I didn't even realize that, I, that I've that accidentally now associated the word iron with my name. time <laughs> I've done it to myself. You played yourself. I, there you go. I did. I actually did.
2: So the, the uh, other thing I was torn about bringing up first was uh, how I actually now discovered.
1: You're, what you're telling me is you're bringing up three different things first. How is that even possible? we got to be on third, second or third now.
2: The, this but, is the second first thing, yeah. I see. The first time I'd ever heard of Open Mike Eagle was a video that Vox posted um, a long time yeah. ago that was talking about you being a fan of They Might Be Giants, which isn't something you typically associate with with hip hop artists are weird, nerdy, art rock sort of experimental uh electro kind of bands from, uh, from the early 80s, but I thought that was super cool. Late and, 80s. Uh, there was even a track, god, I forget which exact track it was, but I remember you even sampled uh, the MIP Giants song, and I thought that was so fucking cool, and I marked out pretty hard. So I, I, I definitely wanted to bring that up.
1: That's my jam, man. Those those guys, like, that's, that's like my favorite music in the world, is their really? stuff. Just just how unique it is, how authentic they are to their own voices, how they never try to, like sound like anybody else I mean they just are who they are and their music reflects their own values and interests and it's just the most like I don't know it's 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 everything I want out of music it's everything I really want out of entertainment honestly um and it also just happens to be like tunes and stuff that I really enjoy
2: I think I saw that you'd posted like a top favorite songs of theirs or whatever and I, I might be rem- uh, remembering this wrong but I seem to remember them being mostly older songs. Do you lean more towards preferring the older albums than the newer ones? Um, I think
1: the older albums are more impactful on me. Um, but just about every album they put they they put out, there's something in it I like.
2: Yeah, I like how they don't really no album feels like oh boy, here's them trying to do the buh buh cuz this is what's cool right, right. now. Every album feels like, no, nah, this is just what we felt like. And that's that's awesome. It's like that that honesty and the integrity of in music that I appreciate so much.
1: Yeah, man. And and honestly like there's there's nothing more inspiring in the world to me that like they went platinum once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> on, on paper that just doesn't make sense. And uh, I don't know I like to draw a lot of inspiration from that. Like you just never know what could uh, what could work culturally, even if it, you know, even if it doesn't work on paper.
0: That you know, is true, weird. yeah. Okay, so for me, I, like, I didn't get into them as much, so what I heard about them, like, I thought they were strictly like a children's band, like, because they did that, the Here Come the ABCs album, and they did the Courage the Cowardly Dog uh, song for the, the, the Cartoon Network, so I thought it was like, oh, okay, and it's like a kids' group. I didn't know they were like, no, they were like legit alternative rock, like from freaking the 80s. Like, I had no idea.
2: The 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 way that I thought that they were kind of leaning more towards kids was the first time I'd ever heard of them was on Tiny Toons.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that was the second time I'd ever heard of them, but yeah, that was, that is part of what really did it for me with hearing them on Tiny Toons and, and, and really loving... Especially Particle Man, like, loving that song.
2: How were uh, you exposed to them before Tiny Tunes?
1: I had heard... No, MTV. Uh, they had oh. a video for a song uh, for Birdhouse in Your Soul. Oh, that yeah. I, and that was the, the first thing I saw from them. I, actually, I fell in love with that instantly. Um, and it didn't even put together for a while that, that was the same band that was doing mm. Particle Man and Istanbul on Tiny Tunes.
2: Yeah, I'm not even trying to make this the, the They Might Be Giants podcast or make this the whole thing, but
1: I, I had the uh, on is the They Might Be Giants podcast.
2: Dude, make it a thing. Um wh- the the uh, first time I'd seen them was in Charlotte, and they they were performing their whole set or whatever, but when they got to Birdhouse, yeah. you saw couples that were like in their sixties and seventies jumping out of their seats and dancing, and it was, like, such a moving experience that, like, this song, like, their one big hit resonates with these people of all different ages, and it's like, God, this is, like, something magical I'm witnessing it's, right now.
1: The song is magical. I mean, and there's actually, like... And I had somebody explain this to me before, but there's, like, things that song does in terms of, like, uh, key changes and chord progressions. It's, like, really crazy stuff. And, um... I feel like on some level, that's that's kind of what's cutting through. is like this this is not a normal song. Like, Mm -hmm. there's there's some there's some like weird music magic to it.
0: We should probably start talking about your music now. (laughs) Little less fun, but I'm I'm here for it. (laughs) Like I I just thinking I was like, people gonna be like, what the fuck? I wanted to hear him talk about (laughs) it. dude dude what if we got like what if one day we got they might be giants on here and then we found out that they were huge fans of open Mike eagle and then we
1: just ended up talking about his music like (laughs) i I do know those guys though and they have listened to me oh shit yeah
0: didn't they uh wait didn't someone do the guitar on uh the first song
1: uh dan miller from they might be giants he's not one of the john so he doesn't write the songs but he's their guitarist oh Um, wow he, uh,
2: he played on Iron Hood. That is so cool. I had no idea about that. That's awesome.
0: And, and speaking of which, speaking of which, so, uh, wait, that was the first song, right? Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that song. So um, so this album is, and, you know, I was reading up about it, like, because I, I like listening to an album and then, like, afterwards, you know, reading up about, you know, what the process that someone was going through, right? Because it's always cool to see, like, you know, like, if you go to a, um You know, if you go to an art gallery or whatever, you look at the picture first and then you read the little thing that's next to it to be like, yeah, like, did I get this right? Like, (laughs) did I know what the fuck was going on? So this album was about your, uh, it was like
1: the, oh oh my goodness, uh, the Taylor Holmes that you grew up in in Chicago. Yeah, I didn't didn't grow up there just by the way, but I did spend a lot of time there because my aunt and uh, first cousins and stuff all lived there. So I was, okay. I, I was there a lot, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up about a mile away from there. Mm. All right. So, and
0: the idea was that this place had been demolished and th- there was just nothing that was built there. And all those people were just sort of displaced. Yep. And you would said that you came up with this on like, like a, like a random plane trip somewhere. And you just randomly was like, Hey, wait a
1: minute. What happened to that, that place? yeah because it got oh. demolished while I was uh away in college
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I, I, it wasn't um uh, it wasn't something that I had really thought through and uh on that plane ride it occurred to me to like see what was on that land now, and that's when I learned that like it hadn't gotten redeveloped mm-hmm. so and, and that inspired this album yeah like that that kind of pulled up some feelings in me that I felt like I
0: needed to explore. Okay, now can I ask you a question? And and maybe I'm reading too deep into this, or maybe this is a slick thing that you did, and I and I noticed it. Uh, the first song,
1: the oh, which one was it? Oh, a uh, '95 radio. Was it was it released on September 11th? Uh, you know what? That might have been because that was released the Monday the album came out, and the album came out on the 15th. So yeah, that did come out on the 11th. Yeah, I. I
0: was thinking that maybe there you were there was some sort of like subtle correlation that you were trying to do there between this place being destroyed and all of that culture being wiped out and like you know 911 you know these buildings being destroyed by terrorists
1: no that is called
0: a happy terrible accident All right. (laughs) God damn it. I thought I was going to be like, Oh man. All right. Now we're going to like explore the idea of like terror. What is terror? in like, you know, different facets, but no, that was just an accident. All right. All right. Fuck it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what though? But like that type of thing is why I love kind of leaving, uh, like leaving a lot of stuff open to interpretation. Um, I love, like, having the room for a listener to kind of put something together like that. Because whether it's intended or not, I'm certainly for that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly all about that correlation. Uh, I just mm. didn't do it on purpose in that sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, got, you got to claim it. You got to be like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to interpret it that way.
0: Uh, it's one way. Uh, you know.
1: <laughs> I'd have to adjust my policy on uh, lying. <laughs> <In a review.
0: laughs> so, um... The, now, there's a character called Iron... Oh, God. Not Iron Mike. Iron Hood. <laughs> and he is... <laughs> and he is... the Like, who is this character? Is he the Taylor Holmes Projects, or is he you? Like, what was... What's the
1: process through which you're sort of, like, creating this character? Iron Hood is, like, he begins as like the fantasy of a, uh, of a kid in the projects. It's like, it's kind of like going through living in that area and just doesn't know how to cope with a lot. So like, you know, he starts to imagine what, uh, what his superpowers would be and uh, creates this kind of like identity for himself. And I, you know, the question then becomes, uh, in, in the, in the world of this album, um, does this entity really have any sort of power or not? Because, because right. in some sense, the power is just the power to get through things. Um, mm-hmm. But then, is that even the power all, at all, or is he just kind of becoming a sociopath? You know what I mean?
0: Oh man, that's just sad now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was thinking like, yeah, the power to the to
0: get through this and he's he's going to come through. he's like Bobby Digital, you know, he's coming through to save the
1: hood, you know what I mean? And it was like, no, it's completely metaphorical. It's just really sad. <laughs> Once again, though, and this was on purpose. That one is open to interpretation. Just like the uh, if you've seen the video for for uh, Brick Body Complex, oh yes. So that the character Iron Hood is in that video and you see him like, you know, trying to save the building, you see him like you know, trying to stop this gentrification and the changing of the neighborhood. Um, but the question you're left with at the end is, was this enemy that he was fighting real, or was it just, you know, something that, a you know, a delusional kind of post-traumatic mind kind of dreamt up? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about that, but yeah. Um,
0: so this character, the, the, the hooded person destroying the, the, the neighborhood like in rubbing green stuff on himself that was kind of weird uh <laughs> like who who is that supposed to like be who does that like represent
1: uh, it represents like the forces of capitalism pretty much mm. you know what I mean? like real estate magnates public policy all of that kind of faceless com- by committee stuff that just happens to people and uh and you know it happens as a like the people who make those decisions just aren't they're they're concerned about the ideas and the concepts they're not concerned with the people involved in the decisions they make
0: because yeah. what's crazy about the this uh event that this is based off of is that you know usually like robert moses guys like that like they destroyed neighborhoods in order to like oh well it can't get in the way of progress no no, no. this was just like oh we just destroyed it and um that was it uh,
1: fuck them, <laughs> you know. It's just, there's some a big part of it was that uh, Chicago around that time was really trying really hard to uh, get this Olympic bid. Oh, and so they were just you know they were they were taking away things that the city considered eyesores. It's weird because it represents the other side of the same coin that caused the projects to be built in the first place, right? Because like. Mm-hmm. This is this is a city deciding. Okay, its 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 residents deserve you know its its poor residents deserve better housing because they were designed to be like these modern nice buildings that people were excited to move into, you know. Then it went shit. But um, so <laughs> you know, but the other side of that coin is that when the city decides they're going to go away, they just go away. Yeah, yeah. So can
0: I ask you what's the like what is the point of the album title? Like, what's the significance of that in relation to? The the topic,
1: well, because I think you know in that in that environment, especially if you're like a young person, um, with the dangers there, with a lot of a lot of what would would go on in those places, uh, I think that there is a hardening that takes place first of all, uh, and that's kind of what I was speaking to with the creation of Iron Hood, whether or not like this is really some kind of power, or if he's just kind of losing a connection to his actual emotions, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's a hardening. And the other thing is this. Um, you know, I, there, when we were talking about the villain in that video, mm-hmm. uh, there's a certain apathy that you have to have towards the people who live in those buildings to kind of make the decisions they made about it. like displacing yeah. them, relocating them without any like um, any real thoughts of whether or not there was any problem with like gang affiliations. They, they lost track of a third of the residents like just just there's just 33 percent of people who lived in that system are just still to this day unaccounted for. You know, what that's, I, that's and, crazy. It is crazy. Right. And I think that like for, for that to go that way, there's a certain apathy um, that people have to have. And I, and I think it's similar to the apathy that takes place in a lot of senses when like, you know, when there's incidents of police violence against against black Americans. And there's a lot of people whose first thought is like, OK, well, what did that person do? Why didn't they listen? Like they don't there's no connection to, like, a family having lost a family member for a mm-hmm.
0: and,
1: and And I think, like, and so what I wanted to do, too, was draw a correlation between, like, the apathy for these buildings and the apathy for, like, black bodies in a lot of senses in America. Oh, so, right, like, right. that's where the title comes from. Um, You have
0: a song called Hymnal, and there's a lyric in there where you bring up like, you, you know, when you're, like, listening to someone and you realize, like, they're they're doing something. And I was like, you said Chili Pepper, and then you said I Ain't Got Mama's Gun. And I was like, wait, what, why is he bringing up these <laughs> artists and songs? Is there, like, I? because I couldn't figure out what the correlation was supposed to be. Like, wait, Chili Peppers,
1: then Erykah Badu, and then All For One. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, all, all of that was... Uh, me finding different ways to say that, like, I, uh, I am kind of like alone in my mission. You know what I mean? And and in that sense, a lot of it was like my mission as an artist. I don't feel like I belong to anything. You know what I mean? Um, and so, um, it's weird because the song is kind of like this, 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 this almost spiritual kind of call to arms kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, as the leader or whatever, as the representative of whatever it is that I'm trying to represent, I'm like reminding people that I don't I don't have support. I don't have a community. I'm kind of like standing alone in, in my viewpoints. And um, and somehow but but somehow I'm, I'm expect, not expecting, but like I, I feel like some people are going to follow. It's a weird song.
2: <laughs> I want to ask before we move on from hymnal that it, it seems like on the last three albums, there's always a feature on there that I'm always super excited to see. Um, on a dark comedy, uh, there was a track with Hannibal Barris, which I gotta go back and ask about again in a second. On um, Hella Personal <laughs> Film Festival, which was I'm I just gotta say one of my favorite albums of last year. I listened to that album so damn many times. Uh, it's awesome from beginning to end. And, um, uh, with Aesop Rock on that album, and with here, uh, Samus, who we've had on the show before. Um, God, it was- I wish we had her on under better circumstances because we had her on the show like the week of the, um, presidential election? <laughs> And it was such a sad, downer, kind of, like, mood. We still tried to talk about cool shit because her new album had just come out, and we were trying to talk about, like, like we talked about Nicktoons, and we tried to keep it light, but then at the same time, it's like, oh boy, just a couple days ago, <laughs> like, that shit happened. <laughs> but, um, how did that uh friendship, that collaboration, uh, start?
1: We met through, uh, Mega Rain, Street, Okay. ha. We talked to Samus. Uh, we, me, and ran were on tour, and we were on a tour where, like, I was booking half the shows; and he was booking the other half. So, like, I was booking us dirty underground rap shows, and he was booking us dirty underground nerdcore shows. Mm. So, we had a show in Ithaca that uh, that Samus helped put together. So it was my first time meeting her, and uh, you know, just blown away, man. Um, even in her, 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 she was a lot less, you know, developed as a, as a. MC and performer, then that was like that had to be like five years ago, um, but it was you could already see it, you know what I mean? Like, you could already see, like, oh no, this is like a special talent here. Um, and then, you know, like, I, I'm I, I I try to, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't try to do this, but I end up in a position a lot where, like, um, you know, black artists in this indie stuff. That kind of come halfway from the DIY world with something to say. A lot of them end up looking to me for like advice on how to like put together a career in this, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we've always talked a lot that way too, with me trying to like give her whatever wisdom I could on how to how to kind of put it put it all together uh, career wise. And I'm still, of course, still learning too, but um, you know, we communicate a lot about that kind of stuff, like like best practices.
2: Yeah, I, 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 it's been weird because we've been off for uh, a period of three weeks. And in that time, we've noticed Cardi B going to number one. Um, I think Darren and I both discovered, um, is it pronounced cupcake or cupcake? How, how do you pronounce that?
0: I, I think it's just cupcake.
2: Okay, cupcake. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a play on words or not.
0: Like bukkake.
2: <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I wasn't sure, um, but yeah, it's just amazing how and now we got Samus is like you said five years ago. You know, like had the had the opportunities, had the room to grow. Now being named like a title rising star, like I know Darren had posted this on Twitter that we're starting to kind of see uh, the female rapper resurgence, at least in the eye of the public. Not to say that they were that they weren't always there, but just kind of being noticed more, I guess.
1: Uh, you know, it's man, it's it's hard for me to say, man. Cause, but and, but the reason, the the biggest reason it's hard for me to say is that like I don't, like I've never heard you know the the big Cardi B song. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I'm just like out of the loop in terms of like a lot of the public consumption of rap music. So it's 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 really difficult for me to know like what's happening in a moment of time. It's not like, you know, in the Indies.
0: Uh, so, yeah. So you just really sort of stick to, stick to your, your
1: stuff, right? Uh, you know, I just like, you know, I just listen to what appeals to me and like, what's, what I feel like is going to speak to my values or, or make some sense for my life. And typically, you know, just a lot of the commercial stuff uh, where it's not that I think it's bad because I, I see the, the value. And especially at this time, in rap history there's never been another time where like it's been like you have to you things have to be high quality now it used to be it'll be like really terrible thrown together stuff that was the best stuff i mean like the most <laughs> prominent stuff in the mainstream but now like no like these beats are difficult to make and you know these are high quality recordings with artists that are really you know typically skilled in um, recording rap music that that, uh, that are at these top positions. It's just a lot of times it's just not music that resonates with me a lot. So I don't necessarily seek it out. And, and uh, honestly, a lot of times I avoid it. Um, and so, it, you know, in that sense, it's kind of hard for me to know what's going on um, on that level.
2: You've also been on tour for a minute, though, also, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like since the album came out. And So there's that, and also I think we'd be remiss to not mention the Comedy Central show? Yeah! What, what can you go into about that? Because honestly, um, we had a list at the, at the end of 2016, the beginning of 2017, where uh, uh, we were talking about dream guests for the show. You were on the short list along with uh, Representative uh, Keith Ellison and Bernie Sanders. I think those might be Uh, a little bit out of range, possibly, but when, um, (laughs) when I saw you had, um, when I saw the news about the Comedy Central show, I was like, oh, well, now there's no way, (laughs) because dude's got, dude's got shit going on, but that's why I was so, so super excited, and I tried to keep my composure on Twitter and seem super professional, but when you wrote back and you were like, yeah, sure, I was fucking, I was marking out, I was losing my shit, so... It's a show that I co-host with Baron Vaughn, um,
1: He's a, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a stand-up. He's on, uh, he's an actor. He's on Grace and Frankie. Uh, he's one of the voices, of the new Mystery Science Theater, Theater 3000. Oh, he does some Servo. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So, um, me and him host a live comedy show here in LA. It's like a show, a stand-up showcase that we co-host. And Comedy Central has optioned that into a television show.
2: Oh, okay. That's cool, man. Man, I'm just reading this headline, and it's it's such a small world here because it also says they're all they ordered a pilot uh, with a uh, Aquafina, and we were just talking about that. Um, oh shit! There was a documentary that we were privy to see about Asian American rappers, and she was featured very prominently.
1: Yeah, my boy Dumbfound. I haven't seen it yet, but I know um, they tell you know like it's, it's it's got a lot to do with him too. I
0: I decided to go back through the. Um, I was like, wait a minute. Let me go back to that old album and see if there was anything, like, I wanted to actually talk to him about. Because it's like, this is actually a pretty good moment right now. (laughs) So, I decided to check out, um, uh, Hella Personal Film Festival. Oh, that's the last one we reviewed, right? Yes. And, oh, goodness. You had the, admitting the, admitting the endorphin addiction. For some reason, this is hard for me to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Me and my uh, my easy-to-say titles, that's all. <laughs> and uh, you, you had the first song on here. Yeah, that was, that was the first song. First of all, that was one of my favorite songs from last year. Um, yeah, and and I don't know what it is. There's just something about, like, okay, so your style is very sing-songy. And I find it kind of fascinating. It's like, it, it, it reminds me, like, when I first listened to it, I, I was just thinking, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, And this is so weird to say, but it's like, if, like, smooth jazz from, like, the 40s was, like, transplanted to to today, and, like, this is what it would sound like. And that was such a weird feeling for me to think, but, like, I was kind of feeling that. And then there's, (laughs) you say, like, rap music has ruined me. I always want to loop my favorite part so th- this
1: song is it sampling s- something what is it sampling you know it is sampling something but I don't know what um, you know Paul White did all the beats, and he's like a maniac so
0: damn it <laughs> I was like what is this
1: <laughs> it's, I think it's like a Quincy Jones song or something whatever it is uh. I think we are having to pay for it so <laughs> I ain't afraid to say what it is yeah, yeah w-
2: we noticed uh, he goes a bit crazy uh, with the sampling when we when we reviewed the uh, the Danny Brown album, mm-hmm. and there was that really weird song that he sampled for the uh, uh, "Ain't It Funny" that like almost scary. It was just like, <laughs> brrrr, like, "What the <laughs> hell is this?" <laughs> it's <laughs> it was frightening. Insane. Um, um I, I really love the storytelling in um, "Insecurity Part 2. That might be my favorite song on oh, the album. Oh, yes! If, if not that one, Smiling. It is it, it is really close because, I mean, I could just go through all of these. They're all great. But just how in-depth that song goes, Um, yeah, it's just, oh, man. Like, it's such a it, – it definitely put it makes you feel a certain way of just like, oh, God, like – very rarely do songs make you uncomfortable, but in a way that you can tell it was intended.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, discomfort all through that album, man. And I, mm-hmm. when I think about it, um, yeah, man, that's a weird decision to make, to, to make your rap album uncomfortable on purpose. But hey, that's what I do, man.
0: What is the album cover, like, what is that supposed oh, to be? Yeah. yeah, what does that mean in relation to the, you know?
1: A lot of stuff on that album has to do with like social stuff and like dating and and that and you know and 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 acting, the expectations people have of people. And um that wasn't like a piece of art I had commissioned for the album. Like my uh my guy Frohawk Two Feathers, he's like this world renowned artist that I went to college with. He had that piece and I just thought that it, it just it just captured something. You know what I mean? And and, and it, it is it, it wasn't an easily definable thing that it captured, but just mm. this feeling of, like, this, this social combat. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the thing that I didn't really realize, though, until, like, way later, was I actually thought that that was a man and a woman sword fighting. <laughs> but uh, it was brought to my attention that that was two women. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> which which she did, and and maybe I wouldn't have picked that. If <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you do three months into it, you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I gotta oh go back. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, what was the one song you brought up, Lena Dunham?
2: Oh yeah, what was that part it... about?
1: Yeah. She had said something publicly. about about, like, having
2: touched her little sister. We thought that's place. what you meant, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I decided from that moment, like, I'm just never going to, like... It was, like, maybe the second or third time where, like, she was trending and I looked at something, looked at what it said, and it was something horrifying. I decided in that moment, I'm just not going to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote that lyric from there. There's never anything beneficial for me to read. It's always something crazy that makes me feel terrible, so... <laughs> well. I'm sorry, I reminded you of that.
2: <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I'm
1: of not looking at what she says. So any, any excuse I have to tell people publicly not to go look up what she says, I'm <laughs> Um
2: I, I was going to go back one more album to go back to something I would mentioned before. How did you get teamed up with uh, Hannibal Barris for the track on Dark Comedy? And was that a written verse or was that something he just freestyled? I think he wrote it
1: um and and i have i've known him since college man wow. i was his r.a. um in college mm. when he started comedy um so like yeah i just known him for years man and you know he's a he's a comedian that, that loves rap music man and so uh when i was making a record i hit him see if he wanted to rap
2: on it and he did now who uh who made the video because i specifically want to ask about the credits um uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tamara
1: Wofford, um, who, who's, uh, mostly an AD that works in, in television, uh, made that video. What, you know, me and her kind of put our heads together to make it. Like, she executed it, but it was kind of a vision of me and her head. Uh,
2: for those of you who haven't seen the video, um, one may notice, um, that the credits of the video everyone credited is a character from Twin Peaks. Uh uh-huh. um, And I, I was—I had to ask if you were a fan of the show or if that was somebody else. No, no, no. Yeah, all that—all
1: that was me. A lot oh, of okay. that was—it uh, was Twin Peaks. It was a uh, Death Note. Mm. Um, a lot of that stuff because that, yeah, like at the time, me and Tomorrow both were really into those shows, and and in our creation of that style of, um, of credits, we wanted to point to other stuff that
2: we liked. Did you watch season three? Mm of Twin Peaks. I haven't, because I don't have showtime. Oh, okay, then I won't say anything about it, then. That's fair. I hear hear it's... A a lot of people don't like it. Uh, It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Own personal opinion, it is... uh, It exceeded uh, expectations uh, for me. I I went in not expecting answers, so if there weren't answers or anything explained, I wouldn't have my uh, hopes up for anything. It was just like this is what Lynch wants to do and I'm just gonna respect that and you'll watch it and it's like it doesn't feel like the show at all. It feels more like the movie. But uh. Oh! Okay so it's like dark like that? Like heavy? It's very dark. It goes into a lot more of the uh kind of like the the story behind everything because it kind of takes on a whole new Story, but revolving the same characters. It's it, it was it oh, was wait. one of the very few shows that I had followed week by week and was frustrated that I had to wait, and at the same time was sadder and sadder every week, knowing that it was one week closer to being over. I had
0: a another question about because I'm just a person who always wants to talk about the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> so you have a song called "A Short" about a guy that dies every night. Uh, I, I kind of want to ask, like, what inspired
1: this? Like to write a song. <laughs> that was a metaphor, mostly about um, like police brutality. You know what I mean? And like, you know, it, it kind of goes with, with with the smiling song. It's just kind of like this this thread of Black American existence, where you just have to face this constant, um, constant stories of and thoughts of death by police officer or death by society that people um that's you know that's not entirely unique the black American experience but it's just something I wanted to write from
0: holy shit I didn't get that at all oh my god wow (laughs) now I'm looking at this completely different now (laughs) holy shit okay alright well yeah everybody go check out that song and
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I um I got to bring it back because, you know, we we, uh, we have some mutual fandoms. Uh, there was a track early on on that album where you made a Rick Martel reference. And at that point, I was like, okay, the, you know, obviously this is more than your average because we've talked about this on the show before about how whenever rappers reference wrestlers, it's usually hogan macho man or rick flair but for a rick the model martell reference i was like all right this guy is either a fan or knows somebody that is a fan because that's just deep enough that it's uh it, it definitely uh sparked my interest are you um do you still follow it or are you more of like a fan of the 80s stuff
1: i do a wrestling podcast every week so i'm watching raw smackdown mm. with pay-per-view every week like it is Like that is my thing wrestling is my thing Uh, I love it I love professional wrestling
2: what do you think about them putting the shield back together um
1: I enjoyed it on Raw last night um I I mean they've been telegraphing it for weeks now Mm -hmm. so like didn't have the, the surprise factor I would like for that sort of thing but um but I'm with it uh I think I think it's great um I mean, I'll put it to you this way. It's not necessarily the way I would have preferred them to do it, but uh, they've pulled the trigger on it and it seems to be going well. And um, I think they're going to finally get Roman over as a face. You, you, you know, you know what the problem is? Mm. The problem is going to be this de- the music because right now, like we are, a uh, Pavlovian train to boo when we hear that music.
2: Oh yeah, the the old Shield music, which he still uses now. Yeah,
1: I think when they hit that music yesterday, I think that they were they were hoping that uh, people would look at it nostalgic with with a sense of nostalgia. But I don't know. I, that's that's going to be the problem because their their appearances are going to be defined by what happens when they come out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if they're coming out to that old music, they're going to have some more months of, like, some people booing just
2: from hearing that music. Yeah, whoever that group is, what is it, CFO, dollar sign or whatever, J- Jim Johnson, they're going to have to write something new for them. <laughs> get them some new merch. Get them some new uh, music. Yeah, because, yeah. People... So that, that weirded
1: me out, too, yesterday, how they came out, like, later on in the show with new t-shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> That was kind of hilarious, like, that they got the cash grab shirt
2: already. Uh, like, I I, I don't want to make this a whole thing or whatever, but... yeah, For me, it personally felt, like, kind of aggressive. Like, I'd much rather see them do big things on their own, but, I mean, that's to say that Seth hasn't done big things on his own, and obviously he has. Um, I just feel bad for Dean, because it feels like Dean was an experiment that didn't work the way they wanted, so it's like... <laughs> agree with that completely but see that's the thing is like
1: because that's true it's great that he has this opportunity to get a second act i mean true there's a long history of guys that if their big push experiment doesn't work work they get fired you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. like do something that's like uh, a lot less glamorous in terms of how they write out the rest of their career but the fact that he's got this this thing that was amazingly over to go back to it's almost like it hits the reset button on all of them and and i feel like with what they have done and the successes they have had as singles, whatever the next phase of that story is, I think all of those guys are going to be better off for it because we know who they are now. And then, and then there was, like, I used to practice trying to talk like I was
0: Mr. Bogus. I was like... Do you know who Mr. Bogus is? I looked it up, and I don't... Like, it's one of those cartoons that's like, I don't remember what that was, but my, a part of my brain is, like, lighting up like I should. Like, you know...
1: He was this little claymation type little ugly yellow dude um he was uh he was like like he was yellow and he wore blue pants um and he was just this this, this random cartoon character that had this voice, and I used to try to practice talking like him next that's, that's really the whole story there, there was no there was no other thing behind that. It was just like, oh yeah, I literally used to practice trying and talk like him that was it.
2: <laughs> All it was dude, you have no idea how much I appreciate those little personal touches like that that mean <laughs> nothing to anyone else except it's like, hey, this is something I did. I don't care if you know what it means. <laughs> this is... This, I felt like this needed to be in here. I, I always... I love that type of shit. That, that's like... That gets a bigger smile out of me than any, like, witty, like, um, punchline or just something that feels like this was personal. I, I love the shit out of that. And I'm looking at this now. I recognize it a little. I certainly didn't watch it, though. I think this might have been... Uh, I, I, I don't know our age difference. I was just going to say this might be a little bit before my time, but... Um, it was, and I think thing that
1: culturally might have only lasted two years or something. Ah, uh, you know I mean? okay. I
0: think it... You know what it reminds me of? Like, bumping the Night. Y'all remember that one? Yeah. That sounds familiar. Like, uh uh hold on let me let me find it because the the animation like that that claymation part i was like wait because it looks sort of like oh, messed yeah. up and you know what i'm trying to say wait hold on let me let me send it to you
2: yeah i'm looking at uh i'm looking at a video of uh i think it's a full episode but yeah this this looks about familiar all all, all that claymation yeah. shit seems to
0: so weird and it all and it always looks like it takes place in like You know, a a bedroom, a kid's bedroom that you know people
2: forgot. (laughs) Well, anyway, sorry, that's completely
0: irrelevant. (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those like I know it was during the '90s, but I can't place the year. Oh, look, '94 to '95, so like Uh, right in the middle of the
1: '90s. Look at that. Spoiled with weirdness in the '90s. We had weirdness no one could ever dream of,
2: and some of it I'm
1: like, was that real?
0: yeah it really does feel like it's like did that happen was that a fever dream
2: (laughs) a lot of 90s was all uh gross out humor too i noticed like like ren and stimpy was very gross uh mm -hmm. Uh, real monsters was gross uh not not so much Rocco, but it had its moments
1: yeah Yeah. it's his neighbors they just
2: look gross like that's true yeah yeah the big heads (laughs) and there's frog people man i i I feel so bad for people trying to create authentic original shit now because i mean there's definitely enough out there but it feels like a lot of it just kind of gets run through the same ringer of like no it's got to look like this it has to feel like this but then you look at mr bumpy and be like how did this get greenlit
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know what the thing the thing about it was this man like in in terms of entertainment uh because you you know like it represented a time when there was just a lot more money in the economy. Mm, like mm-hmm, yeah. to the entertainment, you could afford to take a lot more risks in the nineties. Cause like people were buying, like people were spending like $10 for a CD. You know what I mean? And so that That's meant true. you did your budget for the year. You had a few million. You could, you could, um, you could use to market towards like niche things or like underground things or so just take chances. Mm-hmm. Like when, when that industry, and all of these industries, of course, have lost money uh, with everything going digital, they just don't have that room anymore. They don't have room to, like, experiment, you know what I mean?
2: This week on the Going Off Podcast, we are talking about Rose Azora and Niano by Cunning Linguists. Their first album in six years um, just came out on the 6th. Uh, we were watching it. Um, definitely wanted to hit on it as soon as it came out, and, uh, I myself was not disappointed, uh, by the album. I enjoyed it a good bit. Um, I wanted your thoughts. I'm not really sure it's exactly, um, I mean this in the nicest possible way. That, that this album was, like, serviceable, you know, like, the, the rhymes were sufficient, Um, I thought the songs were very well written, uh, I like the beats, I like the subject matter, all of it was great. Don't really know if it has the re-listen factor, though, like, I don't really know if I was blown away by it to the fact that it's an album I necessarily want to revisit. Um, and I don't know if that's just, like, a personal preference of mine, because, uh, some of the albums I do tend to revisit, uh, tend to be some of the more lighter albums like we were just talking with the open mic eagle some of his tracks are you know more fun and upbeat and those tend to be the ones i go back to um rav's album is one i listen to a lot uh asap rock and um the impossible kid i listen to these albums a lot but they also tend to be very uh you know punchline heavy uh very witty and stuff like that this album reminded me a lot of uh the album we talked about um, geez, it's probably like 30 or something episodes ago by this point, but the uh, Tribe Called Quest album where it's, uh, it's very conscious of the social issues, it's very of its time um, talking a lot about the racial injustice and all of that that we knew was going to become uh, an aspect in hip-hop. It was only natural. It's, uh, it's not surprising that in this current administration, and the almost daily attacks on uh, on people of color and other minorities—that this is what you get. This is the type of response you get. Is the you know we got to stand up, we got to we got to stick together, we got to fight, you know, for just our way of life, who we are, you know, to prove that you know we are people essentially in some people's eyes. Um, but with it being on such a more serious uh, foot. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I was I would revisit it. I would still probably end up giving it like a four and a half. If we're gonna, you know, spoiler alert, you know, like it was a very solid album. I enjoyed it, but you know, I just don't know about the re listenable the re listenability of it. Yourself.
0: I think you are a hater. Oh, I think I think you you're mad because cutting Linguist stacks bitches to the ceiling rides on uh, 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 money, and, and, and gets lots of 20-inch chrome. That's what I think about your opinion. So a four and a
2: half is hating now. <laughs> <laughs> a four and a half out of five is hating. Okay. It's the way you put it. No, no, it's just
0: the way you put it, though, because I enjoyed the absolute shit out of this album. And, like, yeah, I, I could feel how you feel about it just being solid, but I enjoyed, like, every minute of it. Kind of Linguist kind of goes back for me, though. Um, I I used to listen to them in high school. Uh, I remember they, they were basically kind of like the underground outcast to me. <laughs> you know, they're like, this is hip-hop that's really smart, uh, maybe even smarter than outcasts, you know what I'm saying? Just, like... I don't mean that like a contest, but it's just like, you know, they they just talked about more stuff, you know? And, um, you know, fun punchline. I mean, they, they were definitely goofier at the beginning. Uh, but this one is a lot more like starkly serious and a lot more focused. And I love that like, you know, here's these artists that I used to listen to. They were, they were kind of fun, but they also had, you know, lots of different topics and stuff. And now it's like, whoa, they grew the fuck up. And I love this music that they're playing. Like, honey, that shit buzzed so fucking hard. Like, and that singer, I don't know who she was, but she just sounded like sex. Like, it's just like Jesus. And, um, and, uh, um, oh, what was it, Riot? So, like, this music really came off to me as, like, like, this is, like, music at, 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 during the apocalypse. But, like, where, where you're sort of just, like, it's far away and you see that it's coming towards you. And like this is sort of like that music where it's just like, well, this is the the last bit of calm I'm gonna have before I can't avoid this. You know what I'm saying? Like,
2: yeah, that... I, I remember you. I remember you said something similar uh, about the Gorillaz album. Hmm. Well, even that that was supposed to kind of be the premise of it was like a soundtrack to the apocalypse is what they were. Is what they were going for, mm-hmm. long before they even knew that you know Trump was going to be elected president. You know they were just kind of looking forward to the future, and that's what it came out, uh, came out as. I really agree strongly in that. Um, Riot, phenomenal song. Honey is a great song. Um, I think it started great and ended a little weak, and I mean only a little weak by the fact I'm talking specifically about Earth to Venus. Yeah is kind um, of a weak way to end
1: the album. Well, I was kind of like, oh,
2: that was the last track. I kind of wouldn't have guessed that, but okay. The uni- No Universe
0: Without Harmony was weird, just because like the way that guy was talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Universe Without Harmony. Like, where is this guy from?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it was a lot more focused in the beginning. Might have lost it a little bit towards the end. But you know, it, you know what it it's... was?
0: It, it was front loaded with the sort of the messages, and then I noticed as the album went on, it was very focused towards women. Like yeah,
2: yeah. Every
0: song it felt like was about a woman, mm. and so you had like the the one song that was about um Red Bird, the song about like this mom watching her daughter sleep. Now this black child's going to be a part of the next generation to change the world. You know what I'm saying? And then you have, um, then you have, uh, uh, which was it? Oh, anyway, the wind blows about the girl trying to be like a video model, but you know, the rappers just see her as like a whore to have sex with. So she's just like, well, I don't want to fuck with this. And then you kind of have it go on where it's like, she feels like she's never going to be respected. So she's like. You know, it doesn't really make it clear if she's committing suicide, but they use the word "suicidal" a lot. And you know, but then you see the next song of her like performing and you know doing her thing and like just like getting respect and doing what she wants. It was just like it's fascinating. It's like there's like a mini story arc going on in here with this woman, and it's so strange. Like, yeah, you because know, none of their none of the songs are about like. Uh, 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 a boy who like grows up to this they're always specifically about women and I was like yeah. I wonder why that is like what's going on here
2: And well, I, mean, it, I mean the album cover is a picture of a woman and yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe the, that's just the overall theme maybe it is about a specific person yeah, um, I mean it is I literally the name
0: it is literally the name of a woman maybe if we look it up like there's just a woman with that name which is like oh no this this is literally like the autobiography of like this woman, she actually wrote this whole album and like we're
2: <laughs> If we're looking at the you know, the, the name Rose and you got Red Bird, you know. Oh maybe yeah. Maybe it's you know maybe it's a concept album and we just didn't know. I don't know how to find this out. This album is on Bandcamp right now and it doesn't really give you much information. No to go it does on. not.
0: I was trying to find interviews or anything that could help expand the meaning of this album. There's even, like, one of the verses is not on, like, Rap Genius. Like... What? <laughs>
2: just skips it?
0: Yeah! The second verse of the, uh... of the, uh, No Universe Without Harmony? It's just
2: not there. That's an odd choice.
0: <laughs> so I'm just like, who was writing this and just got bored here? Like... <laughs>
2: It's not even the last track, jeez. Yeah, exactly! <laughs> Stick with it a little bit
0: more. Yeah, so yeah, th- there seems to be very limited information about this, and it's just like, does no one want to know, like, why this album is specifically named this? And it was like, does, you know, it got me thinking, like, Rose, okay, so there's Red Bird, and Azura, there's, uh, what's, like, Violet, right? No, uh, never mind. I-, I was about to say, like, Niano. maybe that means bird or something? I don't. I don't fucking know. But anyway, yeah, um, I thought this was very enjoyable. I love just listening. I don't know. There's something interesting about just, like, people talking about uh, – what was it that I wrote here? Um, it's, like, it's about this badass chick who owns her life and sexuality, It, but it's dope how it's so, like, low-key progressive in a way. You know, like, a lot of songs that would be about, you know, a, a guys writing about women – in order to avoid the oh she's a hoe thing they would be like nah she doesn't mess with guys at all but it's like no she does like there's parts where she's like you know she needs relief from something so she messes with this guy and da 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 but it's never framed as like oh hang your head in shame that she would give up her body for no it's actually just like I don't in fact they have points where she's like you know she her, uh, her, her uh, red bottoms are her bottoms are stained with the blood of these fuckboys boys whose emotions she keeps crushing. You know what I'm saying? And, and it is like the end of the verse, where we're just like, bro, just let her, just let her be. Don't, don't try to kick game if you, if you can't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I,
2: oh. I, I looked this up, by the way. Um, yeah. it's ba- it basically is red, blue, yellow. Uh, uh, Niano is yellow in Swahili, and Azure I it was is blue. Damn it. So <laughs> they, like they are idiot. all colors
0: yeah uh what was it oh yeah and there are different like when you go to the 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 different songs on Genius, they have like different pictures and it's like you see a red one and a blue one and a yellow one yeah
2: oh well then uh, there you we go and the album is very you know it's got the the yellow bird and the yellow dress and it's honey so yeah
0: mm-hmm. and oh, violet says, is
2: a shade of blue so
0: yeah yeah she says uh she said, uh, her red bottom's covered in the blood of fuckboys on the soles of her primrose pumps. You find the soul of two pump chumps who refuse to kick rocks in some beat-up chunks, so let her put her feet up, cuss. She
2: ain't playing with you. <laughs> Man, that, that line alone is basic, is like a better interpretation of the couple lines in Bodak Yellow. Yeah, I was thinking like, the exact it's... same thing. It's expressed way in way better detail, but essentially means the same thing. Yeah, it's like, don't, 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 just don't fuck with her, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if well, she I, ain't I talking don't... with you, it means she don't fuck with you. But <laughs> I love how it's like it's never framed
0: as like judging her. You know what I mean? It's never. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. This snotty. No, you, you remember that one song on that um. That, uh, that, that, um, Tribe Called Quest album that we, re- we reviewed. And it was like, don't mess with her, she's a train wreck. And it was like, this girl won't give me the time of day, she's a train wreck. And it was just like, what? Why? <laughs> it's like, cause she won't mess with you? Like, I don't know, like, they're not helping me characterize why I'm supposed to not like this girl other than, oh, look at her. She's all snotty cause she doesn't want to have sex with you specifically. It's like, okay, that doesn't, Like, why? It didn't give me sufficient reason to not like this person. You know what I'm saying? So it just came off like, you're just being a douchebag right now. (laughs) You know? And so this song, this song felt a lot more humanizing for just a female character, especially having been written by guys, you know? And it was just very interesting. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, because usually there's sort of like weird, dare I say the word, problematic element in the way like sort of, Rappers write women 99.9% of the time, even the quote unquote conscious rappers. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this person's a good girl, she did it up, or oh, she's a slut. Da-da-da-da-da. No, but this is just sort of like, yeah, she, you know, she has her sexuality, you know, don't fuck with her, she's not talking to you, but you know, she has this one guy that she's interested in, and she takes it there with them. You know what I mean? And it's not framed as like, she's my woman, you know, because that's usually what they do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, Here's this person independent from me that I just want to tell you about. You know? It was just kind of like, huh, we don't really get that perspective from, like, a male rapper centralizing this, you know, woman's point of view. So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there's some way I'm just not seeing. <laughs> but it, it it felt legit to me. It felt, it felt um, what's the word? It felt, like, genuine, uh, the way that they were trying to tell this woman's story or these women's stories. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, songs that, so yeah, it's sort of a two parter. Like you have parts about revolution and then it's sort of, excuse me, it's it sort of, is talking about, you know, just like the experiences of these certain women. And then at the end, it sort of uh, the earth to Venus kind of makes it about black music and then I was thinking, like, oh, was it supposed to be, like, this woman is the development of black music? You know what I'm saying? Like, a metaphor like that. But, yeah, it was really cool. I think this is a really solid album. I would give it a 5 out of 5. I'm glad as fuck that Cutting Linguist, like, I don't know, you just feel good when, like, one of your favorite artists growing up is, like, still doing their thing. You're like, yeah, yeah, I was... I picked the right horse, you know? Like, I backed the right horse on this one. You know what I'm saying? And,
2: and like, they didn't lose, like they didn't lose any steps either like they're still coming with the same force you know like time hasn't taken a toll on them L- like you said before they grew up so to speak you know like yeah. that you know it's still solid it's still a great album and yeah it's it's nice to see them doing their thing you know you, even if it's like oh yeah shit kind of linguist like when we were trying to pick an album to review for the show i was surprised to see that name You know, because they haven't put out anything since we had started this podcast, you know, in that whole time. So, seeing that name pop up was like, oh, shit. Thank you very much for checking out this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast. And thank you again to Open Mike Eagle for taking his time out of his oh-so-busy day. Dude's got a lot of shit going on right now. uh, To sit down and speak with us about his new album, his tour, his Comedy Central show, All that other shit going on. We wish him the best of success and uh, hope that we could possibly talk to him again in the future. Had a lot of fun talking about some nerdy shit and his music. It was great to be able to finally ask him those questions. If this is your first time listening to the Going Off podcast, all of our old episodes are in SoundCloud and on iTunes. Also, YouTube, which is probably where you're listening to this. Uh, If you want to catch up on the old episodes, they're all there. So you can play catch up. Uh, I've seen some few people say they've just made a weekend out of listening to the episodes trying to catch up, and, and if, if that's how you want to fucking spend your weekend, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you now, but um, <laughs> uh, we also have stickers available on Redbubble, I'll put that link in the uh, in the description also, and uh, phew, I guess that about covers all there really is to say this week. Um, I guess until uh, the following week until next week for the going off podcast i'm muse
0: and i'm rap critic i'm in great pain